This cup of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Plus, if you'd like to support our programming personally, visit trek.fm slash donate to get our alien badges and art prints featuring original illustration by Tobuushi. This is Houston Huddleston from New Starship, and I'm restoring the Enterprise D bridge, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. L. Gray, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the center chair this week, and I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel Prue, who... Da- Daniel... Da- Daniel appears not to have reported in yet. Wait, wait, the computer shows he's in 10 forward. Oh, hello. Daniel, don't you know how the protocols work on this podcast? Get to your station. Why haven't you reported yet? I heard that there was this fabulous green drink down here, and I had to try it. And honestly, I, since I'm old and established here, I don't, I don't need to listen to what you tell me to do. I don't know how they did things on your last podcast, but we come to our stations on time here on Earl Grey. Well, oh, well I, you know, there's, there's other things more important than you going on down here. So if I just distract you long enough with whatever's happening on 10 Ford, maybe you'll just ignore that. All right. Well, I'm joined by my other co-host, Darren Moser, who is in Shuttle Bay 2 because apparently he has some issues with using the transporter. What's up with that, Darren? They're, they're, they're perfectly safe, I assure you. Um, I was actually just re-watching Star Trek The Motion Picture, and now I don't really want to go in the transporter anymore. So uh, I'm going to start just logging. I've actually started to name the shuttles. I know they already had names, but they're a little impersonal. So this one's Bob, and that one's Mary. And, uh, you know, we're just going to get to know each other really well as I just log all of these shuttle hours. All right. Well, it sounds like you're in sort of a realm of fear of your own there, but but we'll try to cure your cure, cure you of that. Well, um, as you may have guessed, um, we are doing one of our character profiles here on Earl Grey, and we're picking a character who's maybe not one of the fan favorites, but maybe one of the more controversial picks. That's right. Today we're profiling Dr. Catherine Pulaski. And I think we're just going to go right into it. You know, this is a, a character who a lot of people seem to have, you know, several strong opinions about. And we're going to see what we think here um, as your resident TNG experts, or at least amateur experts. So, uh, Taryn, I'm going to start with you. Let's just go with first impressions. Um, you know, what would you think of Dr. Pulaski, you know, whether it was the child or whatever first episode you saw her in? You mean old crusher? <laughs> No, I think as a character, she plays it very differently than than Crusher. Not to not to draw all everything as a comparison, but my my initial reaction is she's kind of the the bones of TNG, and I know that's not like the most original of you know assumptions because it's it's been spoken before. But I think if put it this way, if she had been the chief medical officer in season one and this was a new show that's supposed to be branching off from TNG I think people would have drawn parallels and being like wait so they literally just made Bones a woman and put her on the ship like it, it's semi-transparent there from her mannerisms to that she pulls off fairly well uh, but it, it's hard because I feel being only one season we we I, I was trying to rewatch some of season two in order to kind of refresh myself with her episodes, and she doesn't have a lot of episodes that are just Pulaski episodes. And the episode she the when she does show up in other episodes, it's kind of like, oh, I'm using my tricorder, and you know, I'm wearing my you know uh, smock. Uh, you know, instead of her the 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 traditional blue coat, and 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 it works, but uh. I don't know. I just, I'd, I would need a little more 
and hopefully maybe this discussion will help me make up my mind. I think they did a lot of finger painting down in sick bay. That's why she was always wearing the smock. Um, they had, you know, it was before they had the clay room that they installed um, later in the Enterprise's voyage. So, um, well, <laughs> what what about you, Daniel? What was your your first impressions of Doctor Pulaski? However, it is you uh, encountered her. Okay, so my first impressions are actually much more negative. Then wow, I was pretty negative, so uh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, you know, more negative than my current impressions because, like, a lot of people... Not a lot of people, but there are definitely a... There's a strong vocal minority of fans that really dig Pulaski. And, I, and I, every time I rewatch, I try to give her a chance. But, like, as Darren just mentioned, she gets this this reputation of being the Bones character on TNG. And the problem I have with that is, yes, you, I can see the parallels... But there are a lot of differences that that really don't work. Like Bones, yeah, he was cranky a lot of the times and cantankerous, but he was also kind of warm and funny. Like he, he also had like this humanitarian side and this like he would crack a joke. Uh, You know, uh, Pulaski doesn't do that. She just comes off as completely cold, completely like I just do what I want. Blah 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 blah. Like, and it's 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 kind of a little different. And I think that when um, when Bones is argumentative and when Bones is like, you know, a little abrasive, it's because he has this very established established relationship with Kirk. It's not like he showed up on the ship and was like, I can tell you what to do. You should listen to me. It was like they had a rapport already. And, and Pulaski just comes on and she expects to be respected. Like she expects to be listened to. And that's what really gets to me. And it's like, you show up and you don't, you don't care about the rules. You don't care about what's going on. And on top of that, you're like, and the, the biggest problem I have with her is that she's just a jerk to data. She's never not a jerk to data. Not one time is she not a jerk to data. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I think I know what they were going for, but I, and I've mellowed a little bit in my opinion. I'm not actually, believe it or not, I'm not a Pulaski hater, but I'm, as far as first impressions go, not positive, not positive at all. Yes, Daniel is like Robert Picard. He mellows a bit in his later years. Um, <laughs> well, and I just want to give some context for our listeners. I'm sure they already know who Dr. Pulaski is, but sort of here's the context of how she was introduced. So like I said, it was The Child, the first um, episode of season two. Um, you know, whenever we do a Beverly Crusher uh, character profile, we may talk about the, uh, you know, the stories of why Gates McFadden was not in the season two. Year. Exactly, exactly. But anyway, so, but for what, you know, story-wise, Dr. Crusher's, you know, mysteriously (laughs) assigned to Starfleet Medical, and now we have this new doctor, which I think is interesting because, like, Picard doesn't even remember her name, and, like, you know, like, where's that doctor? Dr., you know, Paluski, Paluska, what's her name, you know, which I think, (laughs) like, if you're the captain of the starship, you should probably know who your new CMO is, eh? But, um... Two, we get such a, a, a odd first impression, you know, because I, I think, and we'll talk about data here in a second, but I think the first impressions for um, Pulaski kind of set her up for failure because you have this immediately antagonistic relationship with Picard. I mean, that's the first relationship. Or like, you know, hey, she's not even reporting. Who do you think you are getting a drink first? You know, and, but you know, she's there helping Troy because of that, that episode. Um, but I do, do notice a couple differences, like, you know, just uh, her appearance. She doesn't wear the lab coat like Beverly does. And like I've always, as we made fun, she wears that smock. Of course, I guess Bones also wore that little blue shiny smock too. Um, and also just uh, from the actor's perspective herself, she was actually a, um, and I don't know what the you know Screen Actors Guild name would be, but she was also a feat, she was a, an also starring featured character. She was never a main cast character. So I think from the beginning, you know, the the writers were were taking this different approach of whether it's like, you know, maybe the doctor shouldn't be that important of a character anymore, or you know, let's try her out first. But um, you know, it it was sort of an a rocky first impression there, and and things sort of went from there. And and we'll talk about data in a second. But any other any other thoughts about sort of just just first impressions? Um, other you know, just the way she talked. Um, we've talked about you know. The whole bones issue, you know, she doesn't want to use the transporters. She argues with data, which we'll get to in a second. Um, she's that old cantankerous. Did you think like 
I saw bones. Why are we getting bones again? What happened to Beverly? What happened to the redhead? <laughs> I um, I do have to say that the transport thing was a little ridiculous. Like, okay, like bones makes sense because we as an audience are getting introduced to that technology at that stage of the game. So if he's kind of uncomfortable, that it makes sense because maybe the viewer as an as a new experience would be uncomfortable with the idea. But it, I mean, it would be like it would be like someone now being uncomfortable with the idea of a car. You know, for you its got own, some I reason mean, you want your atoms scattered all over space, boy. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, it's a, it's been an established technology for like what two hundred years or something, or close to two hundred years. And so, like, I'm like, come on, really? Like, we are we doing this again? This is it's just why? Why bother? I agree, Daniel. It would certainly be a ridiculous character in TNG who was afraid of using a transporter. That character <laughs> just wouldn't belong on the Enterprise. You don't have to do... Don't even bring Barkley in. This is not the Barkley character profile. I know exactly what you're going for, Philip. But that's different. That's different because his condition is... It's a psychosis. And she's looked at as having a completely legitimate concern for transporter technology, whatever. Like... It, it you know Barkley is looked at as having a like a, a condition, whereas she is just oh well she's old and she's good at her job so she can have these quirks. No, I don't I don't, I don't it doesn't make sense to me. He had a condition, all right. So Darren, we're now going to talk <laughs> about the topic we've sort of been dancing around. Um, yes, I'd like and, to defer my time straight <laughs> into the data discussion. Yes, so <laughs> we're going to get gonna, to you in just a gonna moment. Go with the, yeah, with the alliteration here, the data dancing topic. Um, so yeah, so so Dan, start us off. So that was the big thing. The, the other first impression was in the child um, and her introduction to our Mister Data, who at this point, you know, it's only been the first season, but I think maybe not a fan favorite, but we at least liked him at this point. So Darren, what what did you think of Doctor Pulaski and Data? Oh gosh, Data. Well, that, well, then the interesting scene where she kind of pauses and kind of like internal monologue but she actually is talking out loud to herself where she says oh that's right i have to refer to you as a living being like it i'm sorry it's just it's just bad writing it 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 feels like like a like season one writing for any show and you know what i mean where there's that kind of beginning writing when the characters really aren't comfortable with their roles yet and you have silly things like one of your earth hours and you know the lines of dialogue that like they pop up in a in the in the very beginning of a series and you can just tell this would never be spoken later because you would use a just more comfortable word or something like that and so her whole reaction to data of oh you know apparently when i read the files on the crew i was joining like there's this android which I mean, she might as well have called him a robot, you know, and it's just <laughs> it, it it's so off putting from the beginning. And like you said, I think it just it set her up to fail uh, because Data was fastly becoming one of the most popular characters. And they decided later they would, you know, center pretty much every movie around him uh, and Picard. So. Yeah. in in that, although she does redeem herself slightly in Samaritan Snare. Which, you know, to a point is almost at the end of the season, but uh, that's, you know, a great, a great Pulaski data episode. But again, by, by then she's kind of just this, yeah, this kind of guest star that just happens to be in every episode and, and she has roles, but her biggest role, you know, well, eventually when she wants to interject herself into the Riker family tree, but we'll, we'll get to that later. (laughs) All right. Well, Daniel, I think we all know that you are a, a huge data fan and, and I suppose our resident data expert. Um, so as you're sitting Wait, there. Wait, whoa, ops, whoa, 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 whoa. I'd, I'd like to approach the bench The captain there. has spoken. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, that's Dang right. It. That's right. You'll Dang have to get your own character, Darren. So anyway, so so Daniel, what's the data perspective here? Was was your character un, unfairly maligned or, or do you think that they were attempting to do the whole Spock-McCoy thing or what was going on there? Yeah, I mean, again, it's you're you're right in the same way that that uh, you know McCoy. Oh, he doesn't like transporters, so let's transfer that to her. And like McCoy doesn't like Spock, and let's transfer that to her. But McCoy did like Spock. 
I mean, we all knew it. I mean, you know, I mean, he 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 teased him out of out of jest and and maybe out of frustration sometimes because of how different he was and how he didn't really understand him. But you always got you always got an understanding that that he respected Spock. At least that's that's my impression. Like Dr. McCoy and Spock, like their jabs are fun. They're lighthearted, generally speaking. And there's that one episode in TOS where like Kirk is supposed to be dead and like he's like, you guys, you know, you guys need to learn to get along and they do. And then and, and Tholian Webb. Thank you, Tholian Webb. I couldn't think of exactly the scenario, but give us a TOS torpedo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so coming so out phasers. of the wrong port. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like and they, but it, like I said, McCoy earns all of those characteristics. He, he, he's not just given them. And, and, and like, we're expected that because we like McCoy, we're just going to like someone that doesn't. No, there's never a nice moment between, I don't want to say there's never a nice moment between Pulaski and Data, but there's never, every time she jabs him, every time she teases him, every time she brings it up, it's very cold hearted. And it's, it's, you can tell it's, you know, racism i guess that's not not you know that that word has too many connotations but it's 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 mean it's just mean-spirited and 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 i and and i get really frustrated because i'm like come on you're supposed to be a 24th century woman like i know you're old but you can still understand what he is i don't i just can't think she's a 23rd century woman and (laughs) just happened to live into the 24th century that's right well, she we were in the twenty, we were in the twenty three seventies, right? So she's she no, she wasn't that old, was she? <laughs> no. Well, you know, it's interesting um, because the second season, if we remember, is the measure of a man, and so we wouldn't see data developed into being recognized as a sentient being until mid. I don't remember where it is, but mid to late season, second season, and so in many ways, you know, Plasky calling him it. And I, we're silent as least. So like in yeah. the first third. Yeah. yeah and so. Yeah. But the, okay. And, and that's fine. Like, I'm not saying that she needs to grant him full, you know, you know, full sentience, sentience in her mind. That's okay. But like, when, there's that, that moment. That we all love that moment. Like probably Pulaski's best moment. Well, it's more of a data moment when he's like, one is my name. The other is not. And it's like, come on. Like, if this isn't hard, you can say And she starts scanning data, him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and that's my point. It's like, fine. If she, if, if, if as a character, she had to struggle with this idea that a machine could have the same capabilities and same understandings and same rights as a person, I will respect that. I don't have a problem with it. if it's done right, but it's not. It's done as like this, just like this, like, anger and frustration and like i don't i don't i don't have to recognize him and blah 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 he's like third in command of the ship sometimes he's going to be in charge of you and you're going to have to listen to his orders like this is a he's an important officer he's not just some toaster when to to wrap up you know again another thought that i just had is again in the third episode elementary dear data which is a very big data episode but it is a very big pulaski episode and you know, I just keep hearing her going fraud, like, yeah. no, yeah. no. And it's like, okay, well, what, what do you want? Do you want him to be a toaster? Do you want him to be a human? Like she just, she's the most intolerant medical officer I've met, you know? Oh. And it's absurd. It's well. totally absurd because she, as, as someone in the medical field, you would think like, Oh, you don't have the same anatomy as we do. You don't have like red blood, so you don't see things the way we do. And it's like, and in the same way in that episode, she's like, "You green-blooded son of a," it's like hobgoblin. And it's like, you know, oh well, he sees things as a, you know, he's you know absorbed all this information and blah 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 blah. Well, that's really impressive, actually. That's that's kind of a cool thing that he has the ability to do that. So like, can't you see that as a separate and different type of life form? Why do you have to be so resistant to it? I think that's the biggest problem with her character. And I really or imagine if she had been around during the episode brothers where data pretty much just owns the crew and takes over. I, maybe, maybe she read that report right before she got on the enterprise and thus it just colored her whole view of data. And she was just scared of him. Yeah. The only problem with that, I think brothers is in season three. Is it three? I thought it was four. one. Is it four? it's after the Borg. 
Okay, well then, yeah. but still, the point, if she had been around during Brothers, like, it's a witch, she'd probably point <laughs> at him, you know. Well, you know, it's it, elementary deer data. I, I would say there's two, and you, you may disagree. Uh, there's two data Pulaski episodes, I would argue. One is elementary deer data, like you said, where she's sort of like, oh, you know, show me that he can really do these things, um, that he's more than just this computer. And I would think the other one would be peak performance. Mm-hmm. And that's the one where yeah. she is, um, one would say, I don't know, you can argue, whether she's pushing data in a friendly way or pushing data in the, hey, he's our ace in our pocket to show this other alien what's what. You know, like she may not like data, but she knows his power. But in any case, she encourages data to be competitive and sort of, you know, tricks him or whatever, pushes him into this competition with um, the Zach Dorn, Cole Rami, I believe is the name. Um, he's into, such a jerk. <laughs> into strat- Stratagema. And so, but, but the, it's, in a way it's friendly, or, and you can argue whether it is or not. I'm interested in your thoughts. But, you know, that, that's kind of a positive way. Of course, I think it's like the next to the last episode of season two. But, um, you know, she, and she celebrates data busting him up, you know, all that stuff. So we kind of at least got, she, you know, something of a friendly well, if we don't count Shades of Grey, it is the last episode of season two. <laughs> I, I also consider what's the what's the episode where she turns really? I mean, she is really old, but she turns even older. Um, <laughs> uh, it's the one, um, Doctor Geriatric. You know, like super old lady. What what is it? Um, I think is that Unnatural Selection. Unnatural Selection. Yes. Yeah. And I was I always look at that episode too because. <laughs> She Let's is, make the old lady even older. Even older. <laughs> is there an episode and, of TOS we haven't used? Oh, okay. Here's one. Deadly Years. No. <laughs> and she, like, she's so mean to him in that episode. And, like, there's one moment where she's like, I'm sorry, Data. I shouldn't have said that. Blah, 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 blah. But, like, for the rest of the time, she's just like, I, oh, man, it gets me so mad. And I don't know why. I mean, it's because I'm a fan of Data. I know why. But... <laughs> there are aspects of her character. There. Yeah, there are aspects of her character that I like just fine. It's just that I can't, I can't see past it. I can't because it's constantly she, we're reminded of it every single episode. Well, she's just the the kind of almost the jerk commentator. Like, I mean, you look at the uh, Matter of Honor, and she just kind of like trounces into the ten forward, and is just judgmental view one after the other like oh my gosh how could you be eating that oh my goodness and it's just every time her character shows up that's what she does i mean with very little variation and it i mean it's if that's what they're going for it's acted beautifully but it's not the most uh engaging of a character so so if y'all were on the enterprise during whatever year that was uh you know season two but whatever year that was would you uh, would, 20, would, yeah. oh, would you walk into sick obviously. bay walk into sick bay and see dr pulaski and would you say like um is dr salar available instead yes yep i would ask for either <laughs> i would ask for salar or um nurse ogawa uh i'd be activating the emh <laughs> <laughs> The prototype, yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah, the, I'd, I'd take my chances. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unless I have heart surgery, then, you know, I guess I got no choice. Yeah, which is it's how weird is the v- version of EMH. How weird is that? Like, not to go too far off track, but how strange is that? That, they're, like, a Starbase is massive, right? And even more massive if the Enterprise D can fit in the top of it. <laughs> exactly. She's the only think... doctor in the quadrant. <laughs> You've got to think that there are hundreds and hundreds of, of doctors on that space station. And not one of them can perform open heart surgery. I don't know. Whatever. Well, well, you've uh, well. Let me finish up. She just needs to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you hold the heart in one hand, and you have (laughs) the replacement, and then really, no, no, no. I'm talking about the 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 swap out because she's got to swap out the you know the defective unit, and boom, just do it real fast, and then you know the boulder will kill them both. So, (laughs) oh my goodness. Well, you know, quickly just to to tie up on data. You know, I I think the the challenge for Pulaski, because and we'll go. We'll, we'll reveal our real opinions at the end here. But um, I think the challenge with Pulaski is that they so soon set up that, you know, antagonistic relationship with Data. Like, imagine if they had waited three to four episodes, you know, established her yeah. and then tried that out. You would have been like, oh, but like the right out of the gate, yes, she hates Data. And you're like, whoa, that's how we're defining her? I'm not on board for this, you know, the whole time. So, I will say yeah, I, I, I think- do really like 
what they do with her in Worf. I think if they had done that way sooner and that had been what established the character and then she can scrutinize data, it would have softened the blow a little bit. And, and, and not to, not to bring it, you know, back to whatever, but like last week we talked about Ensign Rowe and there's a, there's an instance of how you bring in a strong character that disagrees and doesn't get along with the people that are already established in the show and you do it right. Because the difference is, <laughs> there are words I won't use on the on our family friendly podcast, but Pulaski is just mean, and Roe has layers and reasons and and motivations, but but it's never like out of spite. That's what I feel like it is. I think it's just like I'm old and I'm a doctor, so I can just be a jerk, like and whatever. I was in the original series <laughs> twice. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, you know, it, it, yeah, it's it's interesting. And um, so, are you saying, Daniel, that you would not want Pulaski to take off her top in her first episode, <laughs> like Ro did? I uh, no, I I would actually prefer if Pulaski put on more layers. Um, you know, as a say, she on. could have that uh, naked now scene, you know, where she starts to just unzip the the top a little bit <laughs> the first time she meets Picard and. Right there. Catherine. Uh, <laughs> uh, Catherine. No. <laughs> no. Well, well we're, we're going to use that as our segue for our, our next subtopic about please, Pulaski please and Picard. Um, you know, that was sort of like, you know, I sort of mentioned that was sort of the first relationship we saw. But, you know, it's interesting how, how we say it in jest, but it's revealed in um, Unnatural Selection that Pulaski is actually a Picard fan. And apparently was talking about him all the time in her last command and wanted to be assigned to the Enterprise. And so it's interesting because, you know, before all those episodes, we're sort of with Picard thinking like, oh, man, she's so, you know, does her own thing. Which, in her defense, I think every doctor in Star Trek does their own thing. You know, they're always like, you know, medicine first. We don't, you know, care about the rules, whether it's Bashir or McCoy or or EMH or, or whoever. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't think that's unique to her. But there certainly was sort of this kind of uh, clash between Picard and Pulaski. But, you know, what would you think, Darren, about sort of the that command relationship? Because we've always had, well, I say always. This is season two of TNG. There's not a lot of always. Always. But at least in, yeah, at least in TOS, right, of course, McCoy Kirk. Um, but then first season you had that, you know, more unique, you know, maybe some slight sexual tension as we've talked about, Bev, Picard. But that doctor-captain relationship at this point we sort of recognize as being important. And then, so what did you think Picard and Pulaski, how they worked together or didn't work together? Um, yeah, they, they, I guess they worked together. It, it just, again, like the episodes I catch her in, she's just kind of, it kind of falls into the bigger issue I have with Starfleet Medical and there's just no apparent procedure for anything. Like you said, like, I, I mean, the episode I was just, uh, just caught today, um, with, uh, Manhunt. And, you know, these ambassadors beam over and they're fish people or whatever. And she's just there. And at first I'm like, why are you here? You just were happened to walk by the transporter. Oh, you're doing your job. You're you're scanning them. And and the readings are a little weird. Like, okay, if this is what was happening, shouldn't there be like, you know, a team of two and this is the procedure and this is what we do. And these are our orders. Like in general, there just is no procedure for anything it's like you said every doctor just shoots from the hip and especially Catherine Pulaski apparently she can't detect weapons on the Antidian assassins but anyway uh Daniel what about you sort of the command relationship there between the doc and the cap um I'm okay with it um I I kind of consider it a middle tier like like Darren I I kind of like the Pulaski wharf relationship I think that's probably the most interesting thing thing that happens with the character um and i hate the pulaski data relationship obviously and i i do enjoy the data data relationship. yeah right right <laughs> and i it. but i do you mean it the it yeah there are aspects of the captain like i can take i will i will say this i i'll take um pulaski's authority more seriously than i would take beverly's like if if pulaski's like I'm not doing that because I'm the doctor or like, you know, one of those situations where they would be like, I'm believing you have command because you're obviously unfit for duty. I would take her more seriously than I would take Beverly. Um, I think she does carry an air of, of legitimacy about her that was never really explored. 
Um, the thing that scares me is that if 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 she had continued on, I, I just really would not want to have seen like old people make out. Like if she became like a romantic interest in in, in Picard, it it might be ageism, but it's like uh, I I would get really squeamish. I think if like they started like um, the episode we talked about, where um, you know Picard and and Crusher can't leave five feet from each other. You guys will remember the name uh-huh. attached attached. <laughs> Thank you. If that happened, you know, with Pulaski, I don't know. I don't think it would work. So there are aspects of her character I think that that work better as a doctor, but and other aspects well, I mean, that not so much. I, I, I agree with you. I'd rather have seven seasons of Will They Won't They with Crusher than a single season of Picard and Pulaski. Will yeah, like, <laughs> eesh. yeah. Goodness. Poor, beating up on poor Diane here. Um, but, you know, there's one thing, two things that you mentioned, Daniel. One, that, um, you know, in Times Squared, <laughs> in Times Squared, she actually does attempt to relieve uh, Picard of command. Um, she she talks with Troy that, you know, that him being in this condition with his double in this ridiculous, stupid episode, um, that, you know, that this might be something to relieve him of command. So that that sort of comes up there. But then also the sort of the, and we already talked about it, um, but I want to put even emphasize it more. The the sort of ultimate Picard Pulaski uh, episode would be Samaritan Snare, and just a quick reminder for our listeners, um, at, at least one part of this is is the part where um, uh, Picard and Wesley are in the we shuttle to make us go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, but Picard and Wesley are are in the shuttle because um, Picard has to go get his heart valve replaced and and all that. But you see, you know, Pulaski's the one who's been pushing Picard to get this done because he's like, you know, as he's usual, the captain doesn't want to get done, but she's sort of like looking out for him. And not only does she look out for him, she literally orders Wesley to walk Picard inside <laughs> the hospital. He's like. Did she order you to follow me? Uh, yes, sir. So, and then of course, as you already mentioned before, she's the one who ends up literally saving the captain's life, even though it may not be believable. Um, but at the end, she's the one with with her, you know, wearing her little super blue smock. I don't know, space suit, whatever you want to call that. Um, I think they were red red smocks. The, right, yeah, right. Red was, surgical, right. Yeah. maroon know, fez hats. You know. <laughs> Pre-soaked cool. in blood, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pre-soaked in blood, so you can't tell. Yeah. There's not a lot Unless of medical medical malpractice in the 24th century, but but you know, so she she uh, saves Picard's life, and so he he sort of has that you know to to carry around with, and there's a sort of like truce between them because you know she's been harping him, he's been annoyed with her, but hey, you know, you saved my life, I'm I'll I'll let that slide then, you know. So it was sort of a. And, also, another thing about Pulaski, unlike Beverly, she wasn't a bridge officer. Like, she stayed in sickbay. Um, yeah. You didn't really see her sitting down there on the bridge. And so, you know, did that ever make you reassess the role of the Doctor? Because, again, this is only second season of TNG. We only have TOS movies and then one other season. Did you think, like, well, maybe the Doctor isn't, you know, that important? You know, just like first season, we didn't have a chief engineer. Maybe, maybe we don't need a Doctor. Um, well, one thing I think all Star Trek gets this wrong. Uh, yeah, I'll say that. I think I think that's fair to say. Um, is the role of the bridge in a lot of situations? Mm. Like, I think, especially early TNG, I think there should be a person, a specialist at every single station on that bridge. One thing Generations does really well is it shows, oh my, the bridge is busy. There's more yeah, stuff going they on. They add, add a couple extra stations on the yes, side. Yeah. yeah, people are walking around. There's important things. Like, I'm sorry. There's if, chairs. Yeah, <laughs> Worf gets a chair. It, you know, if 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 Troy is needed on the bridge, bring her on the bridge. Otherwise, she's not there. She doesn't have a station on the bridge. It doesn't make any sense. Or at least sense. give a lot of people like a, a, a deck two office. Like imagine yeah. if all the departments had like a deck two office and they could be up there in like a second, you know. Yeah. We would call them semi-ready rooms. <laughs> and um, it's actually kind of a thing that something like Battlestar Galactica, I think, does really, really well. Where it shows, this is a, look, if you're a command center of a thousand people, there's you're going to have to have 12 people in the command center at all times. That's what I, th- I mean, that just makes sense to me. 
And I know, like, I guess the idea is the Enterprise can run itself, blah, 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 which is cool and futuristic. It and feels fun. more like a submarine where you have, like, the captain and, like, the helmsman and, like, the XO, and that's pretty much it. Like, everyone else is just pushing buttons. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. cause they just, but that's because they won't fit. This is, like, you know, the, the Ritz-Carlton of the sky, so we got, uh. you know, carpet for miles. <laughs> and so when, you're right, I mean, when you bring it up and you say... You know, Pulaski doesn't spend nearly as much time on the bridge as, as Crusher does. I'm okay with that. doesn't bother me. But it doesn't make sense. Why would the chief medical officer spend any... She should be spending all of her time performing surgery or research or, you know, whatever. In sickbay where she belongs. Like the chief engineer should be in engineering where he belongs. Unless <laughs> there's a situation specific. You know, well, we have the only chief engineer in Starfleet who doesn't go to engineering. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh goodness! Um, well, you know, speaking of Geordi, I always thought this was when I was doing my rewatch of season two. I came across this portion of um, "Too Loud a Whisper," and I saw this scene, and I just like left my mouth open for twenty minutes, going, "They never followed up on that." It was the one where she's meeting with Geordi, and she says, "Oh, by the way, you know I can fix those implants for you." I can take away that visor. Yeah. You'll never have the pain. We can just fix it. He's like, I was told we couldn't do that. She's like, eh, I'm a pretty big deal. I can do it. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'll have to think about that. And then he walks for out. For seven years. And, and doesn't walk back for another. I'm like, you can't. What? What? What's, what's going on there? Well, you could tell the writers were just like, dang, we really shouldn't have opened that, you know, that door. Let's just uh, pretend we didn't. <laughs> so you're saying I could fix my problem, not experience any pain, and there's literally no downsides to the situation. Let me think about this for a while. Yeah. In fact, in a later date, me having the visor causes the uh, Klingons to destroy the Enterprise <laughs> so we could completely, you know, bypass that. Eh, let me think about it for seven years. Yeah, <laughs> and also almost uh, assassinate a Klingon official, and pretty much just yeah. messing up his whole life. All right, <laughs> but, you know it's interesting again not to pick on Beverly, even though we do. In some ways, I feel like they uh, either implicitly or ex- explicitly made Doctor Pulaski like really good as a, a doctor. Like, okay, she can fix Geordi. She can wipe memories, which apparently Beverly can't do in Daniel's favorite episode. <laughs> um, she can perform heart surgery. Like, she's pretty medically awesome and capable. Yeah, it's clear that she is a much more capable doctor than Beverly. Not that not that it's ever really explicitly put forward that Beverly can't do, except for, you're right, like the memory wiping thing. What I, I, I know, you know, I'm... I'm familiar with what she did, but I can't replicate it. You know, she was so patty aggressive about it to Picard. I believe I'm familiar with Pulaski's technique. <laughs> then why'd you mess it up? But yeah, I mean, you're definitely left with the impression, even if you hate Pulaski, she is a good doctor, like a really good doctor. And even if the situations are contrived, like the one on the on the, the Starbase, where well, you're the only one in in anywhere that can perform the surgery, you know. But you are left with the impression that this woman can do her job and she can do her job well and better than anyone else, really. Yeah, sidebar, I'd totally love to see like an ambulance starship and like what it would look like, you know, rushing out to grab Picard from the Enterprise for his emergency surgery. I think that would be that would be that'd be something special. And not to, you know, not to get too far off topic, but it may be in like in Star Trek, there's this trend to like keep escalating the doctor's abilities. So like in, in um, you know, in enterprise, we get a doctor who uses kind of traditional techniques and the homeopathic, yeah, like a homeopathic kind of doctor. Well, wait, traditional. Are you using, what kind of medicine do you practice? Daniel, <laughs> do you have leeches in your bathroom there that we need to know about? Uh, they're Rydelian bloodworms. <laughs> hang, hang on. This, this just kind of occurred to me and it's kind of, I think this is actually, I'm going somewhere with this. And then in TOS, we get Dr. McCoy, who's very, he's like an old country doctor. So he's a little more sophisticated. He certainly wouldn't at any point cut somebody's head open to relieve the pressure. You know what I'm saying? He would just give an old lady some pills and then she's cured forever. Well, and but before that, in the pilot, we have the bartender, you know, doctor. That's Dr. Well, Boyce. Yeah. Yes. Dr. Who, Philip. We don't, I don't think we get enough of an impression of him to really say what kind of his technique would be. 
But then we get um, uh, Beverly, who's much more modern, and but then we get Pulaski, who's like like a modern doctor on steroids, and then we get Bashir, who is genetically altered, genetically engineered, and then the only way to top that is to get He's like Doctor Bashir, medicine woman. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're allowed to steal that to... title, Orb. And then the only way to top that is to have the ship be the doctor, the whole computer be the doctor. Be and every so, doctor ever. That's right. Uh, he has every doctor ever. And so the only way to top him is to make him Andy Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a There are so episode. many buttons. <laughs> <laughs> beep, 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 beep. That's my favorite Voyager episode, it's by the such way. such a good episode. <laughs> um... Oh, I know that's a good that's a good thread, Daniel. I agree with that. It's and again, it kind of ties into what I was saying about lack of procedure. Like, and and again, like we were also saying about Battlestar Galactica. If you know, when Star Trek does come back to the the small screen, it would be nice to have it to be a little more in the realistic setting on things like this, like procedures and like just to make it feel more real. Because the, those little details add such a sense of realism. Well, I wanted to hit two um, quick. Well, they don't have to be quick. Two quick notes. Um, one was about Pulaski and the Prime Directive, and then we can also go a little bit, bit further into Pulaski and the Riker family tree. Um, but uh, you know, we had in Pen Pals, we sort of had this um, Prime Directive discussion among the crew. Um, As they throw it out the window because a exactly. little girl said, "Data." That's right. It's all Data's fault. <laughs> As always. Yeah. No, um, but anyway, and we had Pulaski arguing what may be, I mean, I'm a very Picard prime directive, but we had Pulaski arguing the prime directive from a more humanitarian aspect of, look, if we can save lives, let's do it. And I don't care about the rules. You know, d- during the rules, we need to save lives. And so I thought that was an interesting pushback to Picard. And again, it may just be the stereotypical doctor, you know, for Star Trek, you know, thing of like, we're here to save lives. I don't care about the rules. Um, and so, I mean, did you appreciate her point of view in in that sort of episode? Yeah, I think, you know, she, she's there to kind of almost be like the grounding rod of like, Hey, like, you know, we have to think about what we're doing. I mean, even, I mean, that whole episode is just built around what if there's this natural disaster? Do we help people? Do we not like, are we really interfering? Are we not? And, and I think, she does have a valid point and um and in that regard you know i think does contribute her two bits to the episode would you say she contributes a, a dna strand or two to that episode no dang it she controls <laughs> her own dna um <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting she actually does i think i forget the exact wording or scene but she does compliment data in that episode at the end for his actions in pen pals so i'm sure he yeah. journaled about it it was the highlight of his his career. He wrote to to Commander Maddox about it. Yeah. Commander Maddox, <laughs> boy, this woman, she just she calls me it, and you would like She's her. In. Are you seeing anyone? <laughs> <laughs> you she, both wear blue, so that's halfway, we're halfway there. She's old enough to be your grandma, but let's you know this is the twenty fourth century, so it's okay. The captain says she's a very handsome woman. <laughs> So um, and so, let's talk up briefly about um, Icarus Factor. With it's revealed that her long lost love is Kyle Riker, Commander Riker's dad. Apparently, the Rikers—it's a genetic family trait to just try to you know sleep with anything that walks. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have a thing for girls in blue. I think is what it is. So, uh... and it's it's hard to stay warm in Alaska. So. <laughs> Hey, Troy doesn't oh. even put blue on till like season six, so <laughs> she had Darren, that blue dress. That I was gonna say, dress. Darren, she does wear blue. I know you're not paying attention to what she's wearing, but <laughs> yeah, there, there definitely That's is true. blue. That's true. I meant the standard Jellico edition uniform. Look, he's looking her in the eyes, Daniel. All right, in the <laughs> eyes. Those dark, you know, all black kind of creepy Betazoid eyes. <laughs> Well, you know, I thought this was interesting, and I don't know, other than Bones, which, again, curious, I don't know that we've ever heard a Star Trek character be divorced. And in Icarus Factor, Pulaski says she's been married and divorced like three, three times. times. 
I mean, that's kind of an interesting character plot for for someone in Star Trek. Again, I mean, I don't know if McCoy ever said he was divorced. I always thought it was either implied or they, he, he just said it. I can't remember. Um, but that's kind of... What y'all think Apparently about Apparently his <laughs> wife got the entire planet in the divorce and all that's left is his bones. So. I, 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 I like that. I do. I uh, Again, and I may be in the minority of people who feel this way, so if you disagree with me, that's okay. But I, I, I think that there are times and a lot of times I think Star Trek feels it kind of has to sneak these things in like when we talked about the Riker the the Triker relationship um, I think that Star Trek tries to put forth this kind of really progressive non-traditional view of relationships in Star Trek and and they don't do it all the time and and when they do do it they kind of try to make it a little more subtle but like her just offhandedly mentioning I've been married and divorced three times and she was in love with each and every one of them. And she was in love with them. And she's and still we're good all friends. Still friends. Yeah. And I think that's a super progressive way of looking at it. I think I think it's the it's the Star Trek writers saying, look, in the future, it's not going to be such a big deal. It's it's going to be, you know, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. And if it doesn't, you're not looked at negatively in any way. Like you can have three Y or you know three ex-wives you can have 10 ex-wives it's okay only if you're that's the other doctor that's dr flox he's the one that can yeah. have three wives yeah. at the same time right right but even then like that's another that's a perfect another perfect example of exploring the ideas of relationships that humans consider normal that we consider normal and tries to challenge those things and i think obviously to a much lesser degree but pulaski does the same thing when she says these things like yeah i had I had three past husbands and, and it just didn't work out, but I love them very much. And I, and I, uh, and I think you would probably find the relationship creepy, uh, uh, Philip, because you find the Troy and, and Riker relationship creepy. So I do find Troy and Riker creepy. So, <laughs> well, you know, it was, I think that episode was sort of interesting because they sort of set up, um, Deanna and Kate as being the Riker women, you know, the sort of the two generations. And it was sort of an interesting thing of where they're both sort of like, and this is metaphorical. They're both standing in the corner while the two men are battling it out, you know, and they're sort of like, oh, you know, Kate's like, oh, it's so disgusting what they're doing. And Deanna's like, eh, you know, they're boys. They hit each other with sticks. It's what they do. <laughs> um, you know, and so, but I, it was, that was sort of an interesting episode. They tried to at least give her some sort of backstory there and, and, and try to make her a person, for lack of a better word. <laughs> so, oh, goodness. All right, well, let's kind of wrap up here. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about what we liked and what we didn't like, and so let's just kind of just broadly do this. Do you think Dr. Pulaski was given a fair chance? Because, you know, we, only one episode, of course, or excuse me, one season, of course, season two, and then gone, and then, hey, it's Beverly again. Um, and so do you think she was given a fair chance? Again, she wasn't even in ep- every episode of season two. And then do you think that there could have been more to her? So, Darren, what do you think? She was, I think, I think she was given a fair chance in the fact that it, it was a good addition. It was a good way for them to kind of go a different direction with the doctor, doctor character. But, uh, it's just, I, I mean, there'll be times when I honestly will just forget that there was another doctor besides Crusher because it's really, she's just one of the seven and she's just part of that family. And I just, it's really hard to picture it in another way. So it was a fun, there were, I thought there were twelve doctors. Uh, oh wait, never mind. We're talking. Never mind. Sorry, I was thinking of something <laughs> else. I see what you did there. Uh, ha, ha. So you're saying that Crusher regenerated into Pulaski and then back again? <laughs> That's right. It was like all those fans of like Tenant who wanted Smith to go back to Tenant. There, again. You can't. You can't cross your own time stream. That, that's. <laughs> really- but no. So I think overall, I think she was, and I think she was a a a good a good character. Uh, for a season, but I I don't I can't really picture her, you know. And this is you know in hindsight, but I can't really picture her doing five more seasons after that. Daniel, what about you? Um, I I, I respectfully to my co-host, I disagree with with Darren. I think she I don't think she was given a fair chance, honestly. And and this is coming from the guy who literally just spent the last hour complaining about her. Um, I. I don't think she was explored to the degree that she should have been, or she could have been, excuse me. Um, she was in second season. And as we know, first and second season are kind of rocky ground as far as TNG goes. And 
while I can say that I like Beverly better, like way better, like it's not even a competition because at least Beverly's nice and she's pretty. And she probably smells good. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I think I think we're going away from the topic, Daniel. Oh, hang on, sorry, oh, sorry. Cold oh. shower, cold shower. No. <laughs> um, I, I, it's it, it's hard for me not to think that as a character, Pulaski might have had a, 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 a more potential. Um, because honestly, if we look at the most underutilized characters in TNG, truthfully, Crusher's right up there. She really is, you know, I mean, and we don't get to explore her character to the same depth that we do Riker or Picard or Data or Worf. And I'll stop there. That makes more sense to stop there. (laughs) (laughs) You just listen to every character and change. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's and the way I always approach Trekdom is more in the story. Like I ignore the the backstory and the real life and production. So, but you know, try to stay in story. So, you know, it was again, like we've all said, wasn't in that many episodes. I think she was given a, whether it's unfair or not, whether it was purposeful or not. I think her first impression was just so jarring that she could just never be rescued from that. Okay. She, she made Picard angry and she's attacking data I don't Mm -hmm. like this character when she is, when she's going to leave, you know? And, but I, yeah, but I think when I was rewatching the second season, I'm like, well, no, I mean, she had some points where she was, you know, a a good source of conflict, a good source of drama. She was helpful. She was a a good character. She was contributing part of the crew, but I think, you know, you just can't ever undo that first impression. Even, even when she was nice to data, you know, or at least was trying to do something there. Um, and, and then Picard and, and even when she covered up for Worf, um, and and all that's it was it i definitely i would say she wasn't given a fair chance but again that's because her name wasn't in the opening credits it was in the also star and also featuring you know diane you know there and and so you know i purposefully i don't think she was given a fair chance whether it was just because they wanted to go another way with doctors or you know it was just she didn't want to do that or whatever and so you know, I think it would have been interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm that person who always finds certain characters like, what if we had had another at least one more year with Yar or one more year with Pulaski? I'm not saying we could have yeah. kept them the whole time, but it would have been interesting. I, I think, you know, I, I, I think I like. I mean, I, I do, I, li- I do like Beverly, but you know, the third season maybe we kind of half and half, or I don't know. But anyway, I, I will, I will agree or form an opinion here and stop babbling that, um, that. I don't think she's given a fair chance. I think that she is a more positive character than people give her credit for. Um, though I'm certainly glad Beverly came back and, you know, Wesley wasn't an orphan for the rest of his life. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so I'll, I'll give a sort of final thumbs up, thumbs down. Darren, thumbs up, thumbs down on Pulaski. Uh, I'm going to have to go with thumbs down. Hey, Daniel? Uh, if thumbs down is zero... And thumbs up is a 100%. I'm going to give her a 40. Okay. Just below middle of the ground, but I think that there is potential there maybe to do something better. Oh, is this going to be like the shirt you were wearing during the last recording? Are are you going to give her a a meh? Meh. It's a meh. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And then Catherine's prerogative, I won't give one. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to give her her a thumbs up. I'm going to give her a thumbs up. I'm, I'm going to say that she had some 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 good qualities um even though i certainly agree with with the bad ones but you know so i mean you know we, we've had a great time i've had a great time daniel and darren are here because i made them be here um, but we've all had a good time talking about dr Catherine pulaski today but this is just one of the many trek topics we've been talking about here on the trek fm network here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network previously on trek.fm standard orbit but now you add in the wild card for this one character that one of the most emotional races in the universe, human beings, is half of what he is. Earl Grey. Well, because I, I think Data's Day was actually the one I was thinking of, so since that one's already taken, I might come in at this No, I'll just erase angle. everything that Daniel said. And, uh, <laughs> and just no, go. Daniel, no. the first time we have a guest. Really? God. Favoritism. No. <laughs> you one-upped her. The ready room. Nobody has that much power. They must have some kind of transporter matter reshaper device. And it must be over there because he's hanging out by it. it. You know, it's a small room. What do you expect him to like? I'm going to dance over here <laughs> by the salt vampire. I don't <laughs> The orb. 
And Bashir says, look, I know what the orders say, but he attacked Chief O'Brien and we have rules against that sort of thing here. So I think that they're trying to figure out, yes, the Federation has rules, but how much are they willing to bend the rules depending on how we push their buttons? To the journey! Endgame, to me, felt like a really bad breakup. Mm. <laughs> like, I was really into it, and I just thought, this is going to go on forever, right? And then Endgame happens, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, oh. Warp 5. Yeah, he's talking about, uh, it's more of a satiny one. Okay. Pretty plain with the piping over the shoulders in the three colors. Yeah. No, that's a I, good I ordered it, but they... They sent me to Paul's cat suit instead, and it doesn't I really know, fit. I know, it so. didn't really hug your curves in the right places, did it? Commentary, Trek stars. It's like Mr. Belvedere, if Mr. Belvedere had really severe PTSD from a war in the future. It's like small wonder, but with a Klingon instead of a little girl. It's like Elf, if Elf killed tons of people. <laughs> Literary Treks. And then we color-coded it, and we started lining up dates and uh, events and saying, well, this book runs from this date to this date. These events in this book happen on these dates. So that if you're writing this scene in book two, you know that it happens exactly, let's say, 11 days after this event in book one. And that sort of meticulous, down-to-the-fine-detail you know, granular planning became absolutely essential. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. All right, check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk, and you'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zoom, or you can stream and download the files from the website directly. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for the podcast directory to get all the links. And if you want to tell us whether you have a thumbs up or a thumbs down for the Season 2 Doctor, you can share your thoughts just by going to trek.fm slash contact. There's a forum, and you can choose to send to our show by choosing Earl Grey. That will come to all three co-hosts by email, and you can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your web microphone. And you can talk to us and other listeners in our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm and on Twitter under username trekfm. So, Darren, if, if people want to contact you about your thoughts about The Good Doctor, where can they find you on the interwebs? Oh, all of my thoughts are readily available on Twitter at uh, Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. All right. And Daniel, if uh, people want to talk to you about how Dr. Pulaski should have regenerated, where can they contact you on the Internet? Uh, Twitter's the best way for me as well. I'm one up Dan. That is the number one, not the word. All right. And folks can find me on the Twitter as well at NC Public Servant. That's NC like North Carolina, where I talk about Star Trek and other doctors outside of the Star Trek universe. Before we go, we'd also like to ask you to please support our sponsor, Audible.com, who makes it possible for us to bring Earl Grey and our other shows to you each week. Audible is a great place for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classic to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. There are many next-generation books available on Audible, including Dark Mirror, the Mirror Universe book, and Q Squared, featuring our favorite omnipotent being, both read by John Delancey. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read, or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank you and Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek.fm. Also, help us continue to bring Earl Grey to you each week by getting your alien badges and art prints featuring original illustrations by Toba Ushi. You'll find them at trek.fm slash donate. And your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. Well, all this talk about the Doctor has gotten me in the mood to get ready for another doctor and their last outing um, here in a few weeks. I know, I know. So, but just just as season two brought us an old new doctor with season three, so a 
old doctor will be coming in the next doctor. So anyway, uh, thanks everyone for joining us here on Earl Grey, and we'll see you next week. Make it so. Live long and prosper. And get fire.